You're listening to the Cubicles in Christ podcast, where together we thrive in life by using our faith to find strength, direction, and purpose. Full of wit, wisdom, and a little grit and grace, Cubicles in Christ provides the inspiration you need to be strong and spiritually authentic in all you do. And now, your host, author, speaker, certified executive coach, Kelly Johnson. God wants us to know that He opens doors that no man can shut, and our doors are not the same as our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our boss, even our siblings or relatives. We have to trust God's process and His ways. Recently, I had a coffee meeting with a woman who was doing some awesome work. After leaving the meeting, I started reflecting on our conversation, and unwittingly, I began to compare my work to hers. I compared my progress with the progress she's made in her business, and I thought about all the resources she seemed to have that I don't have. I quickly fell into a comparison trap. What exactly is the comparison trap? It's when we see what someone else has, what someone else does, and we begin a mental checklist comparing ourselves to the other person. The results of thinking this way locks us into negative, self-defeating thoughts and can lead to jealousy and envy, a place the enemy would love for us to stay in. If we harbor thoughts of inferiority for too long, Our actions and responses can turn to a very dark place. I want us to examine a couple of instances in the Bible when the comparison trap was on full display. And guess what? We don't even have to go too far into the Bible to find one of the very first documented cases of the comparison trap. Did you guess Cain and Abel? Let's look at this passage to give us some context. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 through 7. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Cain compared God's reaction to his offering with God's more positive reaction towards Abel's offering. What was Cain's response? Verse 5 tells us he became very angry. God even warned Cain that his anger would lead to no place good and advised him to focus on doing well. God advised him to stop looking at other people and instead focus on what he could control and do on his own. We have to do our best and it will be acceptable to God. We all know how the life of Cain and Abel unfolded. Cain destroyed the source of his comparison. He was trapped by anger and jealousy, which led him to act violently against his own brother. 
this is clearly a worst case scenario of how the comparison trap can end. Now, let's look at another difficult comparison situation, but this time it ends quite differently. I think about Hannah and how she was tormented by her husband's other wife because Hannah had not yet had a baby and she had. In 1 Samuel chapter 5, we read starting with verse 3. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Peninnah and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Peninnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. So a few things stand out to me here. First of all, Hannah did not instigate the comparison trap. Her infertility was thrown in her face year after year. Now let's put ourselves in Hannah's shoes for just a minute. Let's say you go on an annual family trip to visit relatives. There's a distant cousin that will be there who always has something to say about you, your children, your job. You get the picture. I suspect there is a small part of Hannah that dreaded that annual trip to worship at the temple. Based on her prayer, Hannah obviously had a reverence and love for God, but the trip that was supposed to be focused on worship, it turned into a time of depression for her each year. Depression, yet another byproduct of the comparison trap. Perhaps the most beautiful part of Hannah's life was the grace and strength of faith she embodied. Think about her response. What was Hannah's reaction to Peninnah's efforts to entrap her with comparison and rivalry? Hannah prayed, and she prayed hard. Verse 10 says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. But wait, there's more, and it actually gets worse. A detail in this passage of scripture can easily be overlooked. Let's think about this. During Hannah's darkest moments of despair, she was accused of being drunk by the high priest, Eli. The accusation probably felt like she was being kicked when she was already down. Have you ever experienced that? You're in this season in your life when things just don't seem to be going as you had hoped, and then someone accuses you falsely of something or says something negative about you. That's what happened to Hannah. I could imagine that whole scene unfolding in today's times. And that's like when someone says, okay, you just got on my last nerve. I could only imagine how Hannah felt with feeling depressed because she had not yet had children. And now she's being accused. She's being tormented by her husband's other wife. And now the high priest himself accuses her of being drunk during her prayer time. Not only was Hannah in a comparison trap that she did not choose to be in, now she was being falsely accused of something. I found this interesting. It was written by a Christian author named Christine Brown, and she says this about Hannah. 
Her character was tested when Eli accused her of being drunk. And once again, Hannah demonstrated grace and humility through her words. Listen to Hannah's response after she was accused. She says, Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. By describing herself as Eli's servant, she acknowledged his position of authority. When she could have easily mouthed back at him, rolled her eyes, and her neck, snapped her fingers, Hannah instead chose to display respect. In stark contrast to Cain, Hannah's response to her comparison dilemma was one of grace, humility, constraint, prayer, and sacrifice. Cain's inability to dismantle the comparison trap produced death, literally. Hannah's reliance on God produced life, literally through the birth of her son, Samuel, and figuratively through a demonstration of unwavering faith in God. When we find ourselves in a comparison trap for whatever reason that might be, maybe you have a girlfriend who was able to have a baby in just one year, but you meanwhile have been battling infertility for five years, or maybe, you know, you have a coworker who recently got the promotion or the job that you wanted, despite all of the extra hours you put in to doing a great job and to stand out. How do you avoid making comparisons and feeling resentful? I believe it's a normal human response to notice what others have accomplished, especially if it's something that you desire to have in your own life. The risk and danger is when we dwell too long on comparing ourselves to others. So how do we prevent the comparison trap from running rampant in our lives? I want to share with you five principles, biblical principles, that I believe we can all use to help us avoid the comparison trap. Here we go. Number one, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take thought, take every thought captive to obey Christ. So what do we do? When thoughts of comparison creep into our minds, we have to take those thoughts captive. We have to quickly confess it to the Lord and ask him to help reprogram our minds, reprogram the way we're looking at the situation so that it aligns with God's word, so that it aligns with God's will. So that's the first principle. The moment a comparison thought, a thought of feeling less than or Uh, unaccomplished compared to someone else. When those thoughts creep in, we have to quickly recognize them, not let them linger and take them captive and make them obedient. We have to make our thoughts obedient to what God's word says. Second principle is found in James chapter four, verse seven, which says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We must recognize the comparison trap for what it really is, a tactic of the enemy. He wants us distracted. He wants us to covet what others have and be envious or jealous. Each of those emotions are contrary to the Holy Spirit, and that's where the enemy wants us. He wants us to think and feel thoughts that opposes God's spirit. 
principle number three is found in Revelations chapter 3, verse 7, which says, This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. The bottom line, what God has for us is for us. If our friend, coworker, or family member has something that we want, that's a door that God has allowed to open at that time in their lives. It doesn't mean that we won't have similar doors, but we have to trust that God holds the key to when doors, when windows of opportunity open for us. This verse in particular helped me get out of the comparison trap after my coffee meeting. It reminds me that my assignments are unique and so are yours. God has a purpose and a plan for each of us, and he intends to use us in special ways to reach people that can relate to us and we can relate to them. And so it really doesn't make sense to be jealous or envious of someone else's journey or path because it's not our assignment. Something I say with my girlfriends all the time, we say it to each other, we have to stay in our own lane. We're all on this highway. We're all on this journey in life. I have a lane. You have a lane. We all have our own individual lanes. And God has already mapped out our plans. Scripture tells us that God knew us before the foundation of the world. The plans for our lives were set before the foundations of the world. And the victory was won when Jesus died on the cross for us, when he rose again the third day. So the victory is already there in your life. The door will open at the right time. Principle number four comes from Acts chapter 17, verse eight. And it says, for in him, God, we live and move and exist. Let's follow that up with verse 26, also in Acts 17. And that says, and he made God, God made from one man, every nation of mankind, to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Here it is. God is in control of what we do, where we do it, and how we do it. Our job is to trust his process and not look to the left or the right while we're on the journey. Principle number five. For those of us who may be afraid of what God has planned for us, maybe we're fearful that God's version of our life is different and not as fun, glamorous, maybe even as sexy as what we had hoped for. Here is a verse that I hope will bring you a source of encouragement. The all-time favorite gold standard, Jeremiah 29, verse 11 through 13, which says, for I know God knows the plans that he has for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, not to harm us. God's plans are to give us a hope and a future. I love that verse. My family knows it's one of my all-time favorites because it's so encouraging. Let's continue on with verses 12 and 13 just to close out. In Jeremiah 29, verse 12 and 13, it says, when you call on me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. There is so much encouragement in, the, in these few verses, 
but God's plans are not for us to have a terrible life. God's plans are not for us to have necessarily a painful life. Yes, we will go through various challenges. We will go through difficult seasons. But in the end, it says in scripture that his plans are to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us hope. God's desire is to give us hope and a future, a well laid out plan for our future and our family's futures. So I just want to encourage us to hold on to what God has for us. Let him open the doors. Let's remember that the comparison trap is a tactic of the enemy. We have to take those thoughts captive when they creep up. We should also remember that God is the one who opens and closes doors. And he also does them at the designated time, in the designated location. And finally, his plans are for our good. Before we wrap up, this is a little bit of a bonus thought. I want to share a perspective that may provide a more proactive solution to the comparison trap. If you think about the five points we just talked about, they are primarily for the person who is feeling inadequate or inferior, sort of the victim of the comparison trap. But what about the person who is living the dream, like who is totally rocking it, life is great, she's on cloud nine? What about the person who just got engaged and has the five carat diamond ring or just had the beautiful baby or just received the double six figure promotion? Don't those of us who have accomplished some wonderful milestones in our lives, don't we have a responsibility in the comparison game? Could we be more considerate about how we share our victories or our accomplishments? I think it's important to really think about how we share our stories, because when we share our victories without also telling a bit of our struggles, it may have unintended consequences, like the comparison trap. When we only share the Instagram-worthy version of our blessings, you know, the picture-perfect, all high filters, retouched photo version of our lives, When we only share that version of what's happening in our life, we can create a misperception that our journey didn't also include hardship or valuable life lessons that we may have had to have learned the hard way. Sharing the process that God brought us through to receive the blessing is all what this show is about. It's by prayer that we each become more courageous in telling the heart level nitty-gritty work of what God is doing in our lives, not only the blessings and the miracles. Those are wonderful to celebrate, and those are wonderful to highlight. But our deepest learning also comes through the hardship, the struggle. And I think it's important for us to be balanced in how we tell our stories. I'll leave you with this final verse, another one of my personal favorites. Revelations 12 Verse 11 says, and they conquered him, the enemy, and they conquered the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives, even unto death. Our stories have power, and this verse demonstrates the level of power we have when we share, when we verbalize our testimonies. Our testimonies have the power to help others overcome their own hardships. It gives them courage. It gives them hope 
to hold on and to not let go. Our story can make the difference between someone giving up on life can make the difference from someone giving up on God or making the decision to keep moving forward, to keep believing, to keep trusting God. Why? Because we know God is not a respecter of persons. If he does it for me, he'll do it for you. If he does it for you, he'll do it for her or him. When is the last time you shared a bit of your story? Not the Instagram perfect story, the real work God has done in your life. Thanks so much for listening. I hope that you will write a review about the Cubicles in Christ show. And I also hope that you'll come inside the Cubicles in Christ community on Facebook. And let's continue the conversation about the comparison trap. God bless you. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Cubicles in Christ podcast. The inspiration and wisdom doesn't stop here. Join the Cubicles in Christ community on Facebook and let's keep the conversation going. For more ways to feed your soul and walk in purpose, connect with Kelly at IamKellyJohnson.com and follow her on Facebook and Instagram.